Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today I'm joined by William Warshower. He's the president and CEO of TechnoServe, a nonprofit that works to end poverty around the world through self-sustaining business solutions. I've known TechnoServe for more than 20 years and I've been a great admirer of their work. Before joining TechnoServe in 2014, William served as the COO of PACT, where his portfolio included operations worth $200 million in over 30 countries. Before working at PACT, he served as the EVP at Voxiva, a mobile health systems firm, and he was also at Population Services International. William has also previously served as a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa, where his passion for improving the lives of people in the developing world began to take shape. William, thanks for joining us today on the Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Thanks for having me. I'm podcasting you because you recently wrote an op-ed on why ending poverty will remain a moving target without measuring long-term impact and why you see the institutionalization of long-term impact metrics as really critical to the future of international development. So thanks for joining us and thanks for coming on to talk about this important topic. Happy to be here. So first, tell us, I told you about to our guests a little bit about your background, but like, how did you get into this business? Well, it was really a decision coming on. I was a young man coming out of college and I uh, applied to law school and I applied to the Peace Corps and got accepted at both. And much to my father's chagrin, I thought it'd be more interesting to go work in the Peace Corps for a couple of years. And I lived in Sierra Leone in a small village in the northern Sierra Leone with no electricity, no running water for a couple of years. It was a life-changing experience and sort of set me on the path I've been on ever since. That's great. Okay, so tell us about TechnoServe. I explained what it is, but explain what is TechnoServe and why it's such an interesting organization. I'm a fan of it, but tell our listeners a little bit about it. So TechnoServe is a nonprofit organization founded 55 years ago with the goal of eradicating poverty. But our tagline coined 55 years ago is business solutions to poverty. Since we were founded, we were founded by an American businessman who believed in the power of business to help end poverty. And that 55 years ago was a very radical notion. That's moved to the center of the mainstream today. I think it's widely recognized and accepted that business has a central role to play in poverty alleviation. We are a workforce of about 2,100 scattered across 31 countries. But what we bring to the table is an ability to do a world-class analysis. And so we work with some of the world's great corporations, a lot of them who are sourcing agricultural goods in emerging markets. But we don't ask these corporations to be philanthropic. We take them a business case that our analysts develop that will be great for their bottom line. And in executing that business case, tens of thousands of families will be taken sustainably out of poverty. That's the sort of shared value, as Michael Porter called it. The shared value solution is where TechnoServe lives to play. So can you tell us a little bit about, you just wrote this op-ed about ending poverty will remain a moving target without measuring long-term impact. Why did you write this op-ed and what what are some of the takeaways you want my listeners to take away from that op-ed? Yeah, I think many of your listeners will be familiar that 
a lot of international development is done by projects that are funded by donor governments or other donor organizations like the Gates Foundation. Those are time-limited projects. And the tradition in those projects is that they include funding to do a piece of research at the beginning to document the situation and a piece of research at the end of the project to document the progress. The projects all have objectives and goals. We want to raise incomes by so much or raise agricultural yields by so much or make sure people are taking this medicine uh, consistently or whatever the goal of the project is. And you measure a baseline and you measure an end line. What that misses, of course, is whether what the project helped to happen, whether it has any staying power or not. Your listeners may be very surprised to know that there's almost no data in our field, despite the spending of billions and billions of dollars every year. There is almost no data about what happens three and five years after a project ends. And of course, the whole economics of what that project is accomplishing would be dramatically different if the effects tail off versus if they are sustainable and lasting over time. So it started when I came into TechnoServe now nine years ago. One of the reasons I joined was because I believe the business model is very sustainable, involving business in this. When business is investing, there are a number of factors that can make the impact and the gains that people are involved in this sustained. And so I asked my team when I, when I was the brand new CEO here, Show me all the evidence you've gathered over the past 40 years for lasting impact. And they hemmed and hawed, and it turned out after 40 years, there really wasn't any evidence. But it was no shame in it. it it's a problem with the donors who fund it. It's an easy problem to fix, but I think that your listeners may be really surprised to know that despite spending billions of dollars every year, we have almost no data on what kinds of interventions are more likely to produce lasting impact and what kinds will produce impact only during the project period. Can you give me some examples of initiatives that failed to change the status quo within 5, 10, or 20 years that come to mind? What are some examples? Sure. First of all, there are unfortunately not a lot of examples I can give you because there's not a lot of this research. But one that I wrote about in the article was an AID, USAID-funded project in Malawi. At that end of the project, they did the traditional end-of-project research and found that the participants in the project had adopted, successfully introduced all of these different practices that the project was set up to produce. Now, this was one of the rare instances where researchers went back five years later, five years after the end of the project. And unfortunately, what that evaluation found was that most of the participants were not using the practices any longer. So just because you motivate someone when you've got a lot of attention and money and activities going on to change a practice doesn't mean that that practice is going to stay changed. So when I decided I wanted to help build that evidence base, it took me about a year of going around to donors. I got a family foundation to fund our TechnoServe's first ex-post evaluation. We do a lot of work with coffee farmers. We've done work in East Africa with coffee farmers that have been supported by the Gates Foundation. And that work had showed substantial gains for the farmers, increased yields, better prices, more income. And my question was simple. Five years later, five years after the project ended, five years after we stopped having contact with the participants, what had gone on? Had those gains been preserved? Had they increased? Had they gone away? So we set about finding, we hired a research firm out of the UK. They set aside finding these farmers five years later. And we pledged to make the data public no matter what it said. I crossed my fingers, I crossed my toes, and I was delighted. The results were actually even better than I expected. The vast majority of those farmers were still using the practices that they learned from TechnoServe. They were still getting the higher yields. They were still receiving the higher prices. And indeed, one of the things we had pushed on in that project was more local processing of the coffee. And there was evidence of substantial investment, particularly in Rwanda, in that sector. 
So it was very validating. And what we need is many more studies like that. We need it to be standard operating procedure. The donor, instead of just saying we're going to measure it at the beginning and the end, needs to say we're also going to measure it three years later or five years later and get a sense of what's lasting. So what needs to change? Is it a question of like the AID, big development AID or the World Bank need to take a longer term impact and impact measurement approach? Is this something that big philanthropy needs to be doing? Is there something we can learn from corporate America in some way on this? What are some of your thoughts about this? You know, poverty is complicated. International development is complicated. But I actually don't think this particular issue is that complicated. The donors have the power to change this. And we're doing some research on why it's such a persistent problem. But I think overwhelmingly, as I understand it today, this is sort of an administrative problem. The donors have money for a project. They allocate money. It's going to fund this project. And then we need to do something related to that project three or five years after it's over. And that's sort of outside their normal course of business and their normal systems. And so I think as much as anything, it's that sort of bureaucratic inertia that stops it from happening. But the donors are the key. So whether that's a big government aid agency like USAID here or FCDO in the UK, or these very large foundations like the MasterCard Foundation and the Gates Foundation, they set the terms of these projects and they could, with a stroke of their pen, mandate that there's not just a baseline and an end line measurement of impact, but there is an ex post or, or three or five years later measurement. And if that was done more and more, we could begin to build an evidence base because all of us have a common interest in having these development dollars. And there's been, uh, you know, over 1.2 trillion of aid money invested in Africa since 1960 alone. We all have a shared interest that that be invested as well as it can be. And we're lacking this key piece of information about which types of interventions drive longer term change than others. What kind of response have you gotten from your op-ed? Well, I'm encouraged. A European foundation reached out to me and said this was an issue that they had been talking about and worrying about as well. We've had a couple of meetings with them. They've asked for some concrete ideas of things they might fund. Some of that could be a little more research into this to draw out any nuances about what's preventing it from happening. But the real work is a coalition. I think, again, the donors have the power to solve this if they decide to do it. And certainly it would be wonderful to start with the AIDs or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundations, which are so wide reaching. But if they're not yet ready to take that step, we could start with a consortium of foundations Any group of donors that could show the way of how to do this, I think, would be useful. And hopefully this outreach I've gotten from a European foundation can be the beginning of that. That's really interesting. And then how about what kind of conversations have you had with AID about this? Because I would seem to me as they're the kind of organization that ought to be taking this under advisement and and incorporating that. I think they've made some increased efforts over the last five or 10 years to try and at least do some impact measurement? It sounds to me like this is like the next generation of impact measurement. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Dan. And it is worth saying that measuring the impact from international development projects is much harder than measuring how a for-profit business is doing, for example. You know, the businesses have these well-established metrics, same store sales month over month, year over year, whatever their industry is. We lack that in the nonprofit sector. And that's another challenge to the donors is to try to harmonize those success metrics because the ones we use at TechnoServe for our economic development projects are a little bit different than what this other group uses. And so the donors have the power to harmonize those. 
everybody is in favor of long-term impact. The old adage of teach him to fish, don't give him a fish, of course, implies that he's going to be able to keep fishing in the future once he's learned how to do that. It's simply uh, taking a look at that on a regular basis, making that a standard operating procedure for projects that they fund. Well, look, this is super interesting. What kind of response have you gotten from sort of your partners in the nonprofit sector? In addition to sort of philanthropy saying this is something that's worth investing in, have you gotten folks who are open to the idea of, in the nonprofit sector, people saying, yes, I 100% agree with this? Like, I, this seems pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, it's really mixed, Dan, to be frank with you. There are some uh, kindred spirits out there who share my passion and my interest in this. And there are some groups out there who are doing this. Interestingly enough, Plan International is a nonprofit that has invested in and done a number of ex post evaluations years after the projects have ended. So great credit to them. But I think for a lot of nonprofits, they are clued into and and 100% focused on what the donor is asking them to do. And if the donor is asking them to simply report on how many people they trained rather than what the training accomplished, they're uh, unfortunately just willing to do that. And uh, if the donor is wants to know just about the impact at the end of the project, they're willing to do that. So it's a mixed bag in terms of the nonprofit sector. I had a conversation with the head of evaluation at USAID about this a few years back. She was receptive and, you know, she confirmed that while AID is funding thousands, literally thousands of project evaluations every year, she could remember, I think, only three or four ex post evaluations that had been carried out by AID over the past few years. Good Lord. Well, look, this is super interesting. So what's your message? Let's just leave folks with like the bumper sticker for this. So like, what is the message you want my listeners to leave with as regards to your op-ed and like what you'd like to see happen in the future? Well, so you've got a great audience for something like this because, you know, if you're a government official, talk to your aid agency. This is really common sense and your aid agency can be in the lead for making global development more effective and making all of those investments more effective. So talk to your aid agency, ask them why they're not doing this, encourage them to do this, encourage them to do it on their biggest projects or encourage them to do it on one type of project. I mean, uh, we can start small on this, but there's we need to build the evidence base in which we can go back to and all understand which projects are creating long-term impact. If you're in the private sector, I think that the private sector, despite sometimes focusing on quarterly earnings, is often taking a a longer-term view of things. They're not setting up businesses and operations that they're going to stop working in three years' time. So they're often working in partnership. We do a lot of public-private partnerships where we're working with the government aid agency, and I think the private sector can be a voice for measuring long-term impact as well. It's common sense. It's all our tax dollars. If you're a citizen and you want your tax dollars invested in better development projects, let your elected representative know, let your aid agency know that there's a simple way to fix this. William, thanks for the time. This is great. I appreciate it. We're doing this right before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving. And the same to you. Thanks so much. And is there like a website that people could learn more about what you're doing if people want to check it out? Well, I would encourage them to come to the TechnoServe website. It's www.technoserve, all one word, .org. My op-ed is up there, which provides some more details on this and to follow along and make sure we've all, we've all got a shared interest that our support for development around the world be as successful as it can be. And investing in this for the long term is in everyone's interest. Great. Thanks, William. Thank you, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, 
Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 